Welcome to the Soulful Sessions podcast with your host, Desiree Michelle. I am a women's empowerment coach dedicated to supporting women as they navigate the complexities of being human, heal their self-worth, and create happier and healthier lives. Each month on this podcast, I will bring you a guest or a message to help you feel inspired and empowered on the journey towards your version of soulful living. Here on the Soulful Sessions podcast, we cover topics like relationships, entrepreneurship, health and wellness, and so much more. Thank you for spending this time with me today. Now let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Soulful Sessions podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us, Megan D. Lambert. Megan is an acclaimed author, speaker, coach, and facilitator. She is on a mission to inspire one million people to live more turned on, erotically alive, desire-led lives. Today we are going to be discussing how, as a woman, you can tune into your pleasure to cultivate deeply fulfilling and passionate relationships. So welcome here, Megan. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, So I'd love to just start out by asking you to just tell us a little bit more about who you are for the listeners who aren't familiar with your work. Um, If you can just share a little bit more about what you do and what inspired you to get into this work, that would be awesome. Oh my gosh, I'm happy to. It's such a long story, but I'll see if I can make it short. So I am basically, I'm an intimacy expert, a relationship coach. I work with women around trusting their body and their intuition and their desire. And I work with couples on how to sustain the attraction and the spark and the chemistry for the long haul. So those are kind of the two buckets that I work with. I'm also really passionate about the earth. So I do a lot around sustainability and taking care of the planet. Um, I'm a wife and a mother, mother to a little baby who's five months old now. Um, so that takes up quite a bit of my time as well. But those are, those are kind of my main passions, coaching. And we also run retreats, so facilitate retreats, um, writing, speaking, all in the domain of women's empowerment, trusting our desire, and masculine feminine dynamics. Well, that is just all so amazing and so aligned with what this community is all about as well. So I can't wait to have you share more about your expertise and experiences with the listeners today. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into the path that you're on and what really inspired you to start doing this work? Yeah, absolutely. So I started, let's see, I'll start all the way from my childhood. Um, my parents got divorced when I was little. And I think that started a question in my mind of, is it possible to sustain relationships for the long haul? And if it is, what does it take? And so I started studying psychology and relationships. And I was also really passionate about sexuality because in my mind, it was such a core part of being human, but why is it so taboo? Why are people not talking about it? Why is it so shame ridden? So I studied that in university And I got an honors degree in that, but then I thought you can't actually make a business on human sexuality. And so I went into leadership consulting, which I loved. I facilitated um, retreats for fortune 100 companies, coach teams and execs. 
But as I was doing that, I thought, you know, I'm just not that passionate about business and finance. I really want to talk about love because to me, love is at the core of what makes a meaningful human experience is how connected you are. So I left the corporate world and dove deep into personal development. And I got really interested in the connection between mindfulness and the erotic and sexuality. And how do you bring in the principles of mindfulness into um, sexuality? And how do you bring sexuality back into all aspects of your life? So specifically, I got involved with orgasmic meditation, um, yoga, mindfulness, uh, Mama Gina's work, uh, David Data, masculine, feminine. I don't know if any of the listeners know those teachers, but they're amazing. Alison Armstrong. And then from there, I decided to start my own coaching business, um, holding women's retreats and supporting people to really get back in touch with their bodies and trust themselves so that they can have deep, long-lasting relationships. Mm. So it was a very quick summary of 20, 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. I think, yeah, a lot of the time our purpose or the thing that really lights us up is so deeply connected with our life experiences. And it's always so funny how no matter who I talk to, it seems like when they're really living their aligned path, it's always something that just continues to call them. Like your calling doesn't stop calling you just because you decide to put it down for a while or pursue something that seems more realistic, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Um, So it sounds like you knew from such a young age that this was something that you were passionate about exploring and life just really led you back time and time again. So that's really amazing that you're now in a place where this is what you're doing full time and you're able to contribute those gifts to the world. Um, And I can relate a lot to that. My parents got divorced when I was quite young as well. And I think, um, yeah, growing up with that kind of experience, it's so common, but I think it really does shift the way that a person views love and it's definitely a contributing factor that um, inspired me to study psychology and relationships and all those good things as well. So I absolutely love how your work focuses so much on sexuality because I think that this is an area where for a lot of women, we don't necessarily feel like there are spaces to explore this all the time in the conventional world and um, in society. There's not always that kind of normalization around pleasure and just being in touch with your body and so that's really what I'd love to kind of pick your brain about today and just have you share with this community. So I know you speak a lot about the concept of Eros in your work so if you can tell us a little bit more about what exactly this means and how it can apply to women's lives that would be amazing. Yeah absolutely so Eros, um, the way I think about it is it's, it's our, our erotic life force, which is the same as prana, chi. There's all kinds of different um, modalities have different words for it, but I believe it's like the current of energy that runs through our bodies. It's the creative force. It's also sexual because we come from sex or of sex. A lot of our human drive is to procreate and have sex. And so it's, it's indistinguishable from the erotic, but it's much more than that. So it's really, and if you're listening, you probably had an experience of Eros when moments when you really feel alive, when your senses are active, you feel right here in the moment, you're really present, 
Um, maybe you feel some tingling or buzzing. You feel this innate enthusiasm for life, for what you're doing. That's Eros. I also described it as being turned on. So it's, it's like the light switch went on and all of a sudden you're plugged in to Eros, the erotic life force, and you're feeling juicy and alive. Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. So would you say that Eros <laughs> is beyond the sexual, but it is connected to our sexuality? So for example, if a person's feeling like really turned on and alive with regards to their work and they just feel like they're totally in alignment with their soul purpose, they might be experiencing Eros? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like your whole system is turned on. And I think pleasure is a really powerful route for many women to be feeling more turned on um, because it gets us back into the body and into this moment. Mm. So yes, it can be that you're feeling really turned on and enthusiastic and in flow and work. And that makes you feel alive. It could also be like you're playing with, you know, your dogs and you're laughing in the park and you're just feeling so the sunshine is on you and you're feeling um, human. Mm, I love that. I think as women, it's so easy to get into our heads. And I know that with like our, so I haven't talked about this on the podcast before, but um, as men, they often have like a singular focus. Whereas as women, we have this like multi awareness and focus of so many different things where master multitaskers and I think with that trait it's so easy to be really in your head a lot and so I love that what you're talking about is kind of like a way for women to ground back into the present into their body and just kind of put all those um, heady worries just aside for a moment and really experience and tap into the playfulness and pleasure in life yeah exactly that's exactly how I think about it like our beautiful heads, our beautiful minds are good for many things. But as a culture, especially Western culture, I'm from the US, um, we are stuck here. We have lost access to the rest, everything from the neck down. And everything from the neck down is where our hearts are, our belly, our pussy, our genitals. It's like where vitality and um, it, like aliveness comes from. It can't mm -hmm. come from our head. And so the erotic or eros is one really powerful way to bring the attention from up here in our minds all the way down um, to our genitals and infuse it through our whole body. Mm, amazing. So let's just continue on this juicy path. I would love to um, have you share with the listeners how women can really use this concept to create happier and more fulfilled lives, regardless of whether or not they are in a relationship or just enjoying the single life. How can women really take this concept and apply it to their day to day? Yeah, I think the biggest one, and this was a huge shift for me, is it changes the orientation of how we live our lives. So before I got into this work, I was very much in my head and I was thinking, okay, what should I do? What is the best next thing? What are people expecting of me? What is the right thing to do? And that's very like, the shoulds are one orientation. But as I got more in touch with my sensuality and my erotic, it started my new orientation is what feels good to me? What feels good in my body? 
and trusting that what feels good in my body is actually what's for me, mm. what is aligned for me. Um, and so if women are listening, one really powerful shift, especially if you have a decision to make, is to see if you can quiet your mind through meditation or however you quiet your mind. Take a deep breath and feel your genitals. Just notice if there's any tingling, if there's any buzzing, if there's any sensations and that you can actually use the sensations of your body to help guide you on making decisions for your life. So I led a group program called Pussy Wisdom for women. And it was all around how do you tune in and listen to what makes you feel more alive. So does this path give you tingles, buzzing, electricity, or does it feel kind of flat and tight or constricted? And trusting the thing that makes you feel open, relaxed, buzzing, tingling, even if it doesn't quote, make sense to your brain. Because I believe that our, um, our bodies, especially our genitals have a wisdom that is deeper than our brain, more mm. primal, more instinctual. Wow, that's so interesting. So myself being really into mindfulness and incorporating a lot of that into my work, I find this really intriguing because I've never actually considered, um, I guess, the wisdom that we do hold within our genitals. And it makes so much sense, right? Because when you think about it, this area of our bodies is um, pretty attuned to what feels safe, what doesn't feel safe. Um, we need quite a lot of safety in order to be turned on. So when a person is making a decision, it would make sense that if their genitals feel tingling and alive and turned on, then that route might be the safer, but not in the conventional sense, just safer for your heart, safer for your soul, safer for what it is that deep down you actually desire. That might be one way to determine that path. I think that as humans, we're so um, wired to constantly be looking for safety, but sometimes our brains can actually misconstrue that. Um, so it's interesting to consider tuning into your body in that way instead. Would you say that this is something that can ever lead people astray, similar to how our minds or our gut feeling can sometimes be wrong? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, just one topic on the topic of safety, and then let me come back to that is, <clears throat> so our mind is really good at looking backwards and looking forwards and planning, right? So when the mind thinks about safety, it's, will I be safe in the future? Have I been safe in the past? Um, the beauty of our genitals or our belly, but I think our genitals is, is present. It's like, am I safe right now? Do I feel safe right now? <laughs> you can hear my baby probably. <laughs> um, and so it, it's a good moment to moment um, judgment and evaluation. Can it lead us astray? It's one of those questions. So the other thing I teach is to have women trust their desire. And a lot of times women say, oh, if I followed my desire, I would just be eating donuts and sleeping around and watching Netflix all day. <laughs> but, I, and you might for a while, that might be the surface level desires, but I think if you listen in a deep down way over time, it, it sort of regulates out and takes you in a direction that is more aligned for you. So I don't think necessarily it can lead us astray. 
that being said, I do think there's wisdom in different parts of our body. So our genitals have a particular wisdom. Our gut also, like if your belly's feeling tight and clenched, that's telling you something. Um, our chest and our heart has a wisdom, um, our throats, and then our minds, of course. Mm, so interesting. Thank you for um, kind of clarifying that for us. And yeah, I think that so much of the time we are so focused on areas outside of the present moment. So I love that this practice can really help us to ground and also make decisions moving forward that do feel aligned in the present. And what you said about um, following your desire, that's actually something I've been practicing so much lately. Mm. I'm not sure if you're in human design, but I've actually mm. been working with um, a human design reader and learning more about my human design and understanding that as a generator, it's so natural for me to just want to do, do, do. But the mantra that I've kind of been practicing is that I'm here to feel good. I'm not here just to get everything done. And so when I focus on thinking about what's the next thing that will bring me pleasure or joy or that I actually want to do, I find myself actually so much more productive um, because the more that I follow that desire, the more energy that I find myself having. And it sounds like that's one of the concepts that you teach as well. So Absolutely. I love that you've shared that value. I think it's so useful um, for people, regardless of where they're at in their romantic lives, just being able to kind of shift their perspective on the way that they experience their day to day. I think that's so potent and valuable. And I would love to kind of um, shift gears a little bit into the love life topic and just ask you, how can women learn to lead with pleasure in their love lives? And what I really mean by this is, as we were touching on with the mind and how busy our minds can be and how we're, we're assessing safety, looking at the past, looking at the future, I think in relationships, it can be so easy for women to um, have kind of a negativity bias, no matter who you are, male, female, um, it doesn't really matter. I think we all have this negativity bias, but in our love lives, when we are trying to keep ourselves safe or happy, it's easy to focus on what's going wrong in the relationship. So I love this idea of kind of shifting the script and flipping the paradigm kind of on its head and looking at pleasure instead of pain or what's going wrong. Would you be able to talk a little bit more about leading with pleasure in your love life? Totally. Yeah, I think one of the really powerful things to see in couples is, are you in a vicious cycle or a virtuous cycle? So exactly what you were saying about pain. And if you're in a relationship and you're thinking, what's wrong with my partner? What's wrong with our relationship? Why aren't we doing things right? Why aren't I feeling one love? You're starting, you're looking for things and you start to create a vicious cycle because that's your beliefs. It impacts the way you behave. Of course, it will impact the way your partner shows up. Say, for example, you don't think your partner loves you enough. You might cling and demand, and then he or she pulls further away and doesn't like that. And then it reinforces your belief that they don't love you. It's so you're in a vicious cycle. Conversely, you can create a virtuous cycle with your partner. So for example, your belief might be, um, we're an amazing team. 
that could be your belief. And so then you look for all the evidence that you're an amazing team. We travel really well together. We brainstorm about work. We have amazing sexy dates together. And you start to let that be the way that you're relating to your partner. And then whoever they are, will they'll respond. So then that can create a virtuous cycle. So that's really important to just check and notice. And that's a moment to moment thing. So you can say in this moment, am I in a vicious cycle or a virtuous one? And if I'm in a vicious, it just takes a second to snap back into a virtuous. And if, and the shift is, um, what do I want and what can I give? So what do I want connects you back to your desire, to your pleasure? Um, so for example, say you feel like there's not enough romance in your relationship. You might be like, okay, I want more romance. What would that look like? I want roses. I want to go on a date. I want him. I want hours long foreplay. I want a sexy tantric lovemaking. And then the next question is, what can I give? Well, maybe that's something you could organize for your partner. Or maybe that's an energy of devotion and romance that you can bring into your relationship. So those two questions can help you um, flip from vicious to virtuous. Mm, that's such a great way to look at it and such a simple exercise as well. And I think that this is really powerful because as you probably know, um, as humans, this is something I talk about a lot in my work, we are so often trying to unconsciously prove the beliefs that we already hold. And so using our conscious awareness to set an intention and really decide for ourselves what beliefs do we want to hold, we will naturally start to find evidence that proves those beliefs. So in terms of a relationship, it sounds like leading with pleasure really looks like choosing a positive belief that feels good and allowing yourself to just experience the flow on effect from that. And also what I'm hearing you say is the value of taking self-responsibility within a relationship to really bring the elements that you feel are perhaps missing or lacking on a particular week or day or month, taking the initiative to bring that into the relationship. Um, so what would you say for the woman who's listening to this and she's like, oh, but I already feel like I'm doing everything. I want my partner to lead. Maybe she's in a heterosexual relationship with a man and she's really into the um, divine feminine, divine masculine energetics. And she's like, I just want a man to lead me. What would you say to her? Oh, I would say, first of all, it's a beautiful desire. It's a beautiful desire. And I think it's really um, important, especially if women aren't used to masculine feminine dynamics. One of the gifts of the feminine is her ability to receive and to receive affection, devotion, love. Um, but reception is not a passive thing. This is one of the things I teach women is we often think oh, I'll just sit back and like, he should just be doing the things I want. Reception is active in the A, say this, boyfriend, he may not know what she wants to receive. First of all, um, she may not know herself. <laughs> so the first thing is, what does she want to receive? Um, okay. So give me an example. What does she want to receive? Okay. So let's take, let's take a hypothetical woman. We'll name her Susie. <laughs> let's say mm -hmm. Susie wants her partner, Joe, to organize romantic dates 
And she right. has been trying to bring this into her dynamic by taking the initiative to organize these romantic dates. And she said to her partner, hey, Joe, I really, I want more dates with you. I want to feel like there's more romance. That's why I've been doing this for the past few months. I just want you to do it, though. And let's say Joe was, like, busy and stressed, and he just keeps saying he'll do it, but then he doesn't. What would you say to mm. Susie? Oh, such a good question. Um, so one thing is, if Joe has said that he will do romantic dates and he doesn't, that has an impact on her heart, right? Like she probably feels hurt. She probably feels um, some of her trust is broken. She probably might feel angry. My first question to Susie is, is she showing the impact that that has on her heart so that Joe can understand his actions? Because look, most of us aren't aware of what we're doing until someone brings them to our attention. And so what that looks like is not complaining or nagging, but just as simple as like, wow, that really hurt. Like I was really, you know, I asked for some dates. You said you would do it and it hasn't happened. And like, ouch, I just find that I'm feeling unloved or uh, not important or something like that, right? And you can use it with words or just with your expressions, with your um, tone. So that's the first thing. Um, I think often my guess is that Joe is not intentionally not doing dates. He just probably got busy and it slipped his mind and he just needs to be brought back to Susie's desire. So that's mm. the first thing. Second thing is if she's willing to um, try again, then I would first look at how does she, how is she viewing Joe, her partner? Does she trust that he loves her and wants to show up for her and wants to plan romantic things for her and that he's good at it and he's brilliant? Right? Does she believe that and trust that? Because if not, that's some beliefs to work on on her side. The second one is to just ask, like, I would love a date. I would love if you could plan a date. Like, it would make me feel so cherished and adored. And that's one of the other keys is it's not about the thing that she wants to receive necessarily, but how will it make her feel if she does receive it? And make me feel cherished and adored. And then... Joe is probably listening to this and thinking, okay, okay, I want to make you feel cherished and George. I could, I could plan a date. And he might plan an amazing date and he might plan a mediocre date, right? And then Susie's response to what he plans is really important. So can she receive it with graciousness and gratefulness, even if it's not exactly what she was looking for? Mm. Um, yeah, it's a whole art though too, because then there's, how does she receive it and be grateful and still help him refine it so that the next date's more something she would like? I love the way that you explain that. And I think one of the key kind of themes in what you shared is speaking to a man's action center, really, because I think so much of the time as women, we think that to get what we want, we need to um, nag or we allow ourselves to express anger and anger is a beautiful and sacred emotion as they all are but i think in the art of relating to men as a woman we need to try to understand what is going to 
actually land for them. And so some of the things that I'm hearing you say do land for men is being able to be vulnerable and allowing ourselves to show emotion in a way that is authentic instead of just jumping straight to anger. So something that I see a lot of the time in my clients and I've also experienced myself is kind of suppressing those more vulnerable emotions of disappointment or um, feeling unloved or feeling like you're not a priority. And with that can really come a lot of sadness and grief. And I think so often it's easy to jump straight to anger because that feels more accessible to express Mm -hmm. than these really deep, vulnerable emotions. But I think what I'm hearing you say is expressing those vulnerable emotions speaks to a man in a way that allows him to truly see you. And the second thing I'm hearing you say is that when we want something from a man, it can be useful to highlight what it is that it would provide for us. So saying Mm -hmm. it would provide love and it would allow me to feel cherished if you did this for me, that will speak directly to a man versus focusing on nagging or complaining or almost, for lack of better words, punishing him for not doing what you want. And I love the way that you explain this and I love talking about this because I think that these are some ways of relating that can allow so much more intimacy and depth and authentic connection. But unfortunately, I think it's not necessarily um, common to relate to others this way. It's not what we see, you know, on TV or in movies. And it is really an art learning how to do this. Um, So with that, I would love to hear your thoughts on helping people keep the spark alive in long-term relationships. So with this um, example of Susie and Joe, this is something that somebody might experience at any stage of a relationship, but probably more likely towards um, the longer-term end of the spectrum. So what are some ideas that you might like to share with the listeners about keeping that spark alive in a long-term relationship? Mm, such a good question and such a big question so there's so many avenues I can go down um well one is the thing that keeps relationships alive is the same thing that keeps a human feeling alive and juicy which is desire and the erotic so and the two are connected but just as I was saying earlier like being connected to eros to what you want to what lights you up creates aliveness in yourself it does the same in relationships so are you each contributing your desires for what you want to experience what you want to create how you want to grow together that's huge because relationships get stagnant and boring when partners aren't contributing their desires when there's nothing that you're you're moving towards or growing through or growing with together you're just coexisting And desire is the the thing. So what do you want to be the first thing I would look at? Like, what do you want to experience or create together? Um, The other one is the erotic. So are you enjoying each other's sensually? The thing that makes an intimate relationship intimate is intimacy. And it doesn't have to be just sex. It can also be long kisses. It can be um, exploring what turns you on, finding new places of pleasure, making sexy dates for each other, 
these are things that make to continue to bring that aliveness into a relationship so it doesn't start to feel routine or stuck in a rut. Mm. Something that I'd love to highlight that I'm hearing you share is the value of having what sounds like a shared vision. So when you were speaking of um, contributing your desires and looking at what you want to build together, to me, what, what that reminded me of is having a shared vision with your partner. And while yes, the erotic and the pleasure, like the physical pleasure, that's also important. It sounds like that really goes hand in hand with having that sense of emotional connection and devotion to something that you can, I guess, look forward to as a couple, because it seems like it's really easy to kind of get stuck in the day-to-day routine and just, um, yeah, just take each other for granted. But when you have a life vision or something that you are creating and building, that kind of brings in a sense of newness into the relationship. And maybe it's even a bit of a feedback loop where having that um, that aspect of the relationship can turn each other on and turning each other on can make you more devoted to creating something with your partner as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think about this question I would ask anyone that's listening to think about is what is your relationship for? What is the purpose of your relationship? What's, what are you creating and building together? So just as an example, my husband and I are, our big thing that we're creating right now is a child. So we're raising her, we're, you know, learning about her, how, what she needs to eat and how she sleeps. And it gives us this thing that we're learning and growing together. We're also um, running a business together. So that's something we're creating and building and that's exciting. And even if you don't have a family or a business, what, what are you two creating together? What are you moving towards? It could be a traveling adventure. It could be you're creating a home together, but it gives you, it gives couples like a direction for their love and for their creativity. And I find um, if we don't have a direction for our love and our creativity, it kind of spins inward and can create fights and vicious cycles in the partnership, as well as inside of us. If we're not having an outlet for our creativity, our love, our service, sometimes it can create internal um, fights, turbulence, um, discontent. Mm, Absolutely. It sounds like there's two really key aspects of this. And one is being able to stay true to yourself, which I think is something that so many people struggle with when they are in partnership, Um, especially people who experience like codependency, it can be difficult to stay grounded in what lights you up, but it sounds like that's really valuable in contributing to the health of the relationship. And then the second thing is being able to have a shared vision, whether that is a business or a child or even just shared hobbies and interests. Something Mm -hmm. that I speak about with my clients a lot of the time is having um, a shared window of things that you can relate on. So no matter who it is that you're relating to, whether it's a sister, your mother, a friend, a romantic partner, we all have these shared windows of opportunity for connection. And 
I think having a growth mindset is so valuable because that's where we can continue to expand that shared window of connection. So maybe you start out with a shared interest or hobby of going on ski trips and you both love to go on ski trips, but then over time that's just not enough. It doesn't fulfill the relationship. But if you're open to staying grounded in what lights you up and you're open-minded to starting to explore what lights the other person up, then over time you can actually expand that shared window of interest. Mm, so, I love that. It's a very mm, cool analogy. Yeah, I find it's really useful because a lot of the time we can either go too far on the end of codependency and just totally forgetting who we are and what we want or being too far on the end of autonomy and not being interested in the other person. We just kind of decide that this is who we are and this is what we are interested in and anything beyond that, you know, it's just not for me. Um, so I think, yeah, that growth mindset and that open-mindedness and groundedness combined with um, interest in your partner, it's all just so valuable. Mm, so it's a beautiful tightrope dance. Yeah, exactly. The dance of connection. It's such a a balance, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Well, before we wrap up this conversation, Megan, I just have a couple more questions for you. Um, I would love to hear what you think the most important thing is for a woman to continue to support leaning into her feminine essence. So we've touched a little bit today on feminine and masculine polarity. Um, and for those of the listeners who are trying to embody their feminine essence a little bit more, what would you say is the most important thing she can do for this? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and just in case anyone listening isn't uh, aware of feminine and masculine, I think about it like there's these two energies inside of each of us, um, man, woman, non-gendered, we all have both energies and you can enhance one or enhance the other. It's almost, I think about like playing a piano. Ideally, I wanna be able to play the whole spectrum. So be very masculine, very feminine, but I'll tend to have a home base when I'm playing the piano, like where the keys I like to play the most. Um, so that's how I think about it. So, because I really don't like the conversation around feminine and masculine of like, okay, women must be feminine, men must be masculine. I think that's 1950s putting people in a box and does not serve us. Um, that being said, I do believe that most of us have a home base and that home base is the place where we feel most natural and most um, alive and most in our essence. So for me, that would be the feminine. Um, if you're listening to this and you're curious about exploring the feminine, the thing I would say is to lean into receiving. So uh, masculine tends to be about giving and feminine tends to be about receiving. If you look at male and female genitals, that gives you an idea of why, <laughs> right? So the feminine is literally receiving into her body. So one of the best ways to work on amplifying your feminine energy is to look at what you are receiving. So that can be as simple as taking stock later on your life and taking stock and be like, who's helping me right now? Who's giving me gifts? It might be um, you know, your grandma sent you a birthday card, your friend sent you a little voice note checking in on you, um, your, your boyfriend brought you home dinner, and really letting those moments of receiving touch you. 
and be like, thank you. Wow, thank you so much. You can also look at the way you receive a compliment. When someone says, you look gorgeous today. Do you say, oh, thanks. I have some bags under my eyes, but I do my best. Or are you like, thanks, I appreciate that. Like, can you let the, the compliment touch you? Take down the walls around your heart and let it touch you. Um, so that's what I would work on is how is your receiving going? Mm, that's such a great tip. I think that so often women struggle with this, men struggle with this. Um, I think learning to receive is a practice. And this is something that we've talked a little bit about before in this podcast, but I would love to just dive into a little bit more since it was brought up. Um, so when a person is trying to figure out their home base, as you called it, what are some telltale signs that you would say um, might indicate to somebody that they're really in their um, authentic expression? So something that I've personally journeyed through on my path of figuring out my natural essence, I guess, was for the longest time, I thought that I was more naturally in my masculine. Um, and I was, but it wasn't where I feel best. It was just what was most comfortable because of conditioning. I learned how to give and give and give and give. Um, so I thought that that was my true nature. And it wasn't until I really started exploring these concepts more and I started practicing receiving that I started to see how different I was when I was in that softer state and how much it changed different aspects of my life. So I would love to just touch on this since it got brought up um, and hear from you what you might say to somebody who's right at the beginning of their journey and they're really struggling to figure out kind of what feels more natural to them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's a great question. I can relate to that personally. I think um, as a child, I had a very kind of feminine essence. Like I loved to dance and be seen and to dress up and to have, to feel beautiful. And these are all things associated more typically with feminine energy. Um, however, I learned from society that what's really valued in my culture is achievements, working hard, being analytical, being rational, um, making decisive decisions, being really focused on one thing. And those are all traits kind of associated with masculine energy. So I started to um, amplify my masculine side and diminish or degrade my feminine side. So the gifts of the feminine is intuition, emotions, sensuality, sensitivity, softness, reception, um, also fierceness and wildness. So these are some feminine traits, masculine, logical, analytical, evaluating, um, discerning, deciding, asserting, leading. These are some more masculine traits. So I have here, I have this feminine essence, I would say, and then, but I learned masculine is better in short. Like I still live in a patriarchal world where I learned that masculine is more valued. So that's where I became. And that meant in love, I would take the lead and, you know, be the primary breadwinner and kind of decide where we're going on dates and um, go after the man I wanted instead of letting him come to me in many ways would use my masculine energy in dating. Then I would find men that wanted to be taken care of, that wanted to receive, <laughs> that were very emotional. Um, 
I would attract men who are more in their feminine energy because I was more my masculine. And um, these two go, they come together like magnets. So if you're more in your masculine, you'll attract someone more in their feminine and vice versa. So as I started learning about this, um, I started working on how do I become more in my feminine? So for me, that looked like softening, giving myself a chance to actually feel my emotions. That was huge. Um, feeling um, my body and my genitals, taking some deep breaths, asking for what I want and letting go of control. Like don't telling him how, just saying, I would love to be surprised. Um, and it, it was really vulnerable. It was really vulnerable. So I think I got off track. What was your question? <laughs> no, I love that you shared that story because yeah, I think that storytelling is such a great way to learn from one, one another and just connect. So thank you for sharing that. Um, the question was for somebody who is trying to navigate all of this and they're like, whoa, what is masculine feminine energy? <laughs> like, I don't really know. I'm a heterosexual woman. I'm into men, but like, I'm really analytical and I like to take leadership. Like, what does this mean for me? What are some telltale signs that somebody is really in their true essence? Mm, got it. Um, I would say when you're in your home base, your essence, you feel, um, it might feel scary, but you feel, uh, it feels easeful. So the thing that I remember about being in, when I'm in very masculine, I can do it but it feels tiring, it feels draining. And if I spend too long there, I start to get burned out. And I think we have an epidemic of women who are burned out because they are burned out on running their masculine energy. Um, and so when you are in your essence, it feels like, oh, I can breathe, I can relax. Like this feels like me. And the other way to kind of tell if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know, I'm both, what's my home base? Um, look at what you long for, what you crave. And so a simple, this is a really simple question, but in the bedroom, would you rather be the one who's taken, like pushed up against the wall or the one that's pushing someone up against the wall? If you're out on a date, would you rather be the one that's like, I'll see you at five o'clock, wear something beautiful and I'm taking you out to dinner or I, you know, I'm taking you on a surprise or the one that's orchestrating the surprise. <laughs> Right? Like which one lights you up more? Um, and that will give you a, a hint on if the part of you that's longing to come out more is more your masculine, which would be the one planning the date, pushing up against the wall or your feminine, the one being pushed up and the one being taken out for the date. Mm, such simple questions and so powerful. Thank you for that. Um, these are questions I, yeah, I wish that I would have received when I was trying to figure all of this stuff out. Um, I think that they just, you know, they go straight to the point. If you're listening to this podcast, I highly recommend taking some time to reflect on this because truly when you are in your natural essence, your home base, it can really change so much in your life. Um, especially if you are in a romantic relationship and things are feeling sticky or you are dating and you seem to be attracting the wrong types of people who don't um, align with your desires it might be connected to the the essence that you are expressing so this is so valuable thank you so much for your time today megan 
I loved this chat with you. You've brought so much wisdom and knowledge and insight to our conversation and it's just been such a treat. So thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was so great. Um, I would love for you to share with the listeners where they can find you, how they can work with you. And the final question, which I always ask all my guests as well, is what is one thing that you're doing right now that really lights up your soul? Oh, beautiful. Um, Well, the first thing I would say is if anyone's listening to this and wants to go deeper, check out my book because I talk about all these things and way more in depth in my book. Um, so I'll send you the link or I think you have it. Um, it's great. It's called Eros, the journey home. And then the other way to connect with me is on Instagram. So at Megan D Lambert, I think it'll be in the show notes. I'm currently in the process of creating a whole new website. My partner and I are bringing our businesses together to create a business called integrated intimacy. So we're still in the development phase of that. The best way to reach me for now is through my Instagram. And to your question, what is lighting me up right now? It's motherhood. I am having so much fun taking care of this little baby and learning about baby development and what she needs and just watching her change and grow every day. And it's just like, yeah, it's filling my heart. Oh, that's so special. How amazing. Um, Thank you for sharing that with us. I will also definitely pop that information in the show notes for anybody who wants to connect with you and thank you again for your time today Megan my pleasure thanks for having me thank you so much for spending this time with me today it means the absolute world to be able to connect with you This is an independently run podcast, so the more people who spread the word, the better. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take some time to leave a five-star review, share it on social media, or with a friend who you think would love it. I would be so grateful. Until next time.